Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I trust you have been enjoying the conversations, the hard conversations I've been having with my husband, Brendan. And today we're going to talk about one of the hardest conversations you can talk about with anybody, which is talking about money. And um, Brendan and I are both just going to start off sharing briefly kind of what our money history, money experience was growing up and then what that has looked like uh, over the course of our 14 years of marriage. So for me, um, I I had an incredible um, childhood, really never wanted for anything, but um, for many reasons, a lot of them outside of their control, uh, my parents had a lot of hard things that happened in their life um, with businesses and finances Um, And so we did have some money challenges. I don't know if I would have said going into marriage that I had huge money issues. Uh, I definitely think I've had some poverty mindset, uh, things I've had to overcome. And um, even as both Brendan and I have gone into our careers, myself a teacher and him in ministry with a nonprofit where neither of us have really set out to make a ton of money, I think I've really had to... Um, just learn what does it look like to be a be a good steward of the money we have and also in some ways to actually not be afraid of making money which I know can sound a bit crazy um, to some people but um, there can be I think one of the messages I probably was given um, from whoever that one of the messages I learned growing up was sort of this idea of um, it's it's almost better to be poor or to just make it that that was somehow more humble uh, or holy or something. But I have realized, you know, the um, we're called to be generous people, to steward well. And if we are able to manage our own finances better, we are actually able to be more generous um, with whatever income we have. And so I think for me, that's been some of the journey that I have been on personally. Um, and then going into our marriage, um, as we both were new in our careers and Brennan's job has involved, uh, raising his own support. And for the first few years that did not happen very consistently. And so for me, I think that some of the fears and issues I had with money really were amplified in our early marriage. And I, uh, didn't want to talk about it. And so Brendan, poor Brendan would, try and have these conversations about money with me and I would avoid them. I would say, I don't, I don't want to talk about this. This makes me uncomfortable. Really actually became probably one of the most avoided conversations we had. And because his income fluctuated so often, uh, we just got into this place of sort of juggling how we would manage paying the bills between a line of credit and, and making things happen. And I just said, hey, you take care of all of those numbers I can't look at them because I feel too uncomfortable. I'm too fearful. And so I avoided looking at any numbers. It was really in the the last few years 
I sort of began to look at them, but also with a sense of fear. Again, probably that scarcity mindset. Um, It's been in the last while that I've started to um, take a look at the real numbers. And, And one thing that happens is when we start to actually look at what's really going on, then we can begin to form a plan, then we can begin to move forward. So that's sort of my story. I want to hear Brennan's story um, of money. Yeah, thanks for having me back on, Jacqueline. For me growing up, I think I was a bit of a contrast several times over in terms of financial world. So my parents divorced when I was in grade four. And so after that, a couple years later, um, I remember one year living with my mom who had not really been on a career path, um, because my dad had a really good paying job. And so it kind of threw her back, uh, financially in every other way. And so I don't remember it well as being negative, but she would talk about it years later as kind of the year we lived on hot dogs and cereal. And as a kid, I was like, these are my favorite foods. I'm totally content with this situation. Whereas my dad, meanwhile, was driving nice cars and had a house on the ocean and we would eat out a lot. And so I think I just didn't really realized kind of these worlds colliding. And so I hit high school and I was very wired um, to think business-wise, to think financially. I got a job very early and had my own money. Um, I also read a book about how if you start saving really young for 65, you'll be a millionaire. There's a book called Wealthy Barber that I don't know if people will know about. But um, so I actually had a mutual fund at age 17, which I I think is more is less common. Um, but then when I became a Christian, I want to go on a mission trip, I cashed it out. And so I think that's kind of been a bit of my story as I've kind of moved between maybe kind of a scrambly, scrape by poverty-ish mode that I sometimes have attached to the way of sacrificing in ministry. It's just the calling to this business, mutual fund, invest, maybe have some nicer things world. And I find, yeah, that's been a struggle going back and forth where I don't really know how to reconcile those two aspects of me. And I hit university, I moved out my parents' house. And so I was really trying to pay for my own way through school. I was living in a basement suite and working jobs to make it all work. And I remember actually getting to a place of juggling all these things. And I guess I missed the minimum monthly payment on my visa three months in a row. And I found out uh, with a real hard knock kind of way that that's not what you should do. And I just remember them letting me know that I owed the full amount in full and to pay immediately. And then I just remember going into the bank to be like, hey, like, is this really a big deal? Like, can I have my card back? And this really nice, awesome guy sending me down and being like, I feel like you don't really understand how big of a deal it is to miss the minimum payment of $27 three months in a row. Like this bank which is your main bank will never ever trust you with a credit card again. Like this is on your permanent file. And I remember he actually wasn't harsh or a jerk. He was just trying to say like, Hey, I don't think you understand the consequence of the decisions you're making. They're really important right now. And so I would say that was a really helpful conversation, but it didn't, it just propelled me to realize like, I need to take this seriously and juggle it and figure it out. But it was hard because I was trying to get through university at a very expensive private school with minimizing student loans and then to get launched into a ministry job that 
did involve fundraising, did involve raising support, and I was still learning how to do that well. And we were launching a new community that didn't have a long history with our ministry. And so there wasn't a lot of people necessarily lining up to give all their money to make sure we were well-resourced. And so really coming into marriage, we had all our student loans. Uh, we had my inconsistent income. And so it's been a bit of a roller coaster, to say the least, financially. So I would like to share that that's, that's basically where we started um, to fast forward to kind of where we are now and what, what our plan is going forward. And this conversation we're having, having again, it's, it's the series Having Hard Conversations and Conversations About Money are one of the ones that we have avoided, um, or at least I have avoided, and... Um, poor you. Brendan would often try to pick the best time possible. Is this okay? Can we have a money conversation now? Um, And I would just, I think for me, some of the ways I was stuck, um, if I look back, I can see um, it's easy for me to get stuck in a place of blame. So I could blame Brendan for either an inconsistent income or not big enough income I could get stuck in a place of comparing and just saying, I wonder what so-and-so makes. Like they, they're making, how come this person's husband is making so much money? They don't have to work or they don't, right, I get stuck in that place. Or I could just be stuck in a place of feeling discouraged and hopeless. Like if we actually count, um, sit down and look at how expensive it is to live, I can feel like, well, we'll never be able to pay off our house. We'll never get a new car. We'll never, whatever those things are, so I can get stuck in that place. Um, But like I said earlier, what I found is as we have sat down and had these brave, hard conversations to really look, really look at the numbers, um, that has been helpful for us to go forward and make a plan. And then we both really needed, we needed a solid plan. And so for us, it has been, we both read this Dave Ramsey book on the summer. Dave Ramsey is really a financial guru, has one of the top radio shows uh, when it comes to finances. He himself had um, built up a million dollar business and then became bankrupt and and really took him on a journey of learning how to do finances well. And for us over the last few years, we had been using an app that tracked our finances. So we had a pretty good idea of where our money was going. We just didn't have a plan as to how to um, tell our money where to go. And what I have found is we're now recording this episode in November. And so we're now one month in to our um, real focus, following our plan. And not only do we feel like we have been successful despite an unexpected car repair that can normally feel like, oh, that really sets you back. Um, or some upcoming unexpected dental bills or things like that. I think for us, we have both found, okay, this actually feels like this is a path. It's a path to freedom. Um, it also feels like similar to some of the conversations Brendan and I have had about um, being free in other areas of our life. This feels like, you know, this is one that really has felt like it's kept us a little bit in bondage. Like debt has kept us in bondage and we are excited to be on that path out. So Brendan, can you share a little more specifically about how this started or or where we're going right now? Yeah, well, I think, as I was saying before, there's that reality of which, at least for myself and maybe both of us to a degree, have kind of, 
you've had these pendulum swings of like financial focus, financial prioritizing. And so it's hard because in both sides of my mouth, I can sometimes be like, we're great. We're terrible. We've got this. Like one of our things that we had happen to us, which was a, a beautiful moment in the delivery room of our first daughter, was this little moment where we joked back and forth, we should start saving for her wedding now. And then two more daughters later, we, we had a real conversation. It was like, no, we, we actually should create a wedding fund. And so we created a little mutual fund. It's not a crazy amount of money. We chip in monthly to it. But we just realized, you know, over 18, 20, 25 years, who knows how long it'll take, but um, that we should be well positioned. So I look at things like that. We save for our kids' education. We have had a mutual fund through my work. Jacqueline has a pension plan as a teacher. So it's like, oh man, we actually doing a lot of things well. That tithing these... and giving. Yeah, tithing and giving is a, a worthy one. And that there was a long season. I don't I don't know when we got fully on board with like, you know, a proper tithe of at least 10%, but I know it's been several years now we have. But I just remember that was a nagging guilt I felt for so long because I just hadn't done the heavy lifting to get there. And so relieving that pressure has just felt, it's just felt great. It feels great to be the generous solution to other people's um, ministry callings or or just to be contributing properly at the church you uh, attend. And so um, we, we've we journeyed well in those things. And even I think back, um, because it helps me to go back to come forward a little bit to where we are now, we had a season where we had a crazy amount of student loan. We were like, we should also try and buy a house. And I remember we applied for like pre-qualifying your mortgage. And we had this really fun conversation where the mortgage broker called us and was like, so here's the deal. Uh, you can afford a condo in a, the opposite part of town where you're not trying to live. And also you could get more mortgage if Brendan's name was not on the application. And I was like, oh man, Visa card, you got me again. Like I wrecked my credit. And so that was literally the case. And thankfully though, it gave us this like, to steal a Dave Ramsey line, a gazelle intensity back then. We we're like, well, we got like, we're double income, no kids. Like we got to get out from these student loans and we got to save like crazy for this down payment. And so we did that. And it was crazy. Like, it's crazy to think we've now we're in a house that we've owned for uh, nine years. We did definitely benefit from uh, a, f- a family member helping us with our down payment. But like we, we also did a lot of really great healthy stepping, but then somewhere along the way, we just took on a little bit of line of credit and we've been like, yeah, no debt, no credit cards, but line of credit. I mean, that's a nice low interest, you know? Uh, and you know, we, we, we don't feel like extravagant people. Our vehicles are not extravagant. We don't have high tastes in a lot of things, but we do like books and we love vacations and we don't mind restaurants. And it's like those three things single-handedly along with just, not ever changing our behavior, even though we had this awesome app that I highly recommend. Like it's, we can tell you like in September, 2016, we spent this much on groceries, but unfortunately that never changed our behavior of what we spent on groceries the next month. It never changed our behavior on how many Amazon books we ordered the following year. And so it wasn't until we realized our line of credit is silly high. Like it's, it should not be this high. It shouldn't have got up into we say the number? We don't say the number. I don't really know. Over $50,000 in line of credit debt. So that just feels gross to just be like, that happened to us? Like, where did that come from? Why? Like, how do we possibly let... We have a good tax return that we get every year. The other 11 months, other than April, thanks to COVID and not going anywhere, uh, we generally 
we go down every single month. And it's like, and I think for us, we thought for a while, like, well, we want to prioritize. We want to invest in Jacqueline being home with the kids more. And so she's not going back to full-time work after we had our third daughter. And so she'll work part-time, et cetera. But I think it just was like the thing I, I felt. And I think both of us have felt in 2020, Jesus has been initiating this conversation with us. Like, Hey, what about your finances? And even speaking words of hopefulness and promise and possibility and like, you could be free from debt. Like, this wasn't how I made you to live has made us to say, we we want to lean into what he's initiating in us and believe there's a path of freedom out of this. Well, and I think one of the places that for me, um, it was easy for me to get stuck in was the fact that, like Brendan said, we're not extravagant people. We're not like name brand people or even people who are going out shopping. Um, But I think what this has caused in us over this last month, as we, head of the month, set up a budget and said, this is where each of our dollars that we are making is going to go, that we've had to really stick within that budget. What it has made for us is to be way more mindful of our spending. And as we began to set up this budget, um, Brendan was looking at our August numbers and he's like, yeah, we spent $400 on restaurants in August. And I was like, what? And I looked and they weren't, again, they're not extravagant purchases. There's like, we got sushi for our family as we're out at the beach one day and it was $30. Or we went to a happy hour, the two of us on a date night and it's maybe like $50. So they're not huge purchases, but they began to add up. And we still value going on a date. We still need to feed our family, um, but what it has caused us to do is to be way more um, creative. As I have had days where I've gone out for the day to get some work done, I've just had to pack a bunch of snacks or some sort of lunch or something where I, I'm not going to be tempted to go buy an $8 sandwich um, because I'm so hungry. And I think that's probably part of what it's caused us to do is is to be a little bit more focused, as Brendan said, with the gazelle intense. Um, and then also to be creative. And there's many things that we have learned to do even over this last month where we said, okay, maybe rather than buying a new, like there was a girl in my um, in my teaching class last week and I, I teach foods and she had spilled some tomato sauce all over her white sneakers. And I said to her, I'm like, oh, okay, well, why don't you just stop? Go clean them up. Like go grab a cloth. And she looked at me, she goes, oh, I'll just buy some new ones. I was like, wow okay that I think is the mindset so many of us have when it's like oh this thing just got a bit wrecked I'm just gonna buy a new one instead of maybe creatively figuring out how can I fix this thing how can I tweak this thing and so that's the case for us is we're just having to learn how to be um, really creative and I feel like we already have been pretty um, frugal and we've tried to be good stewards in the past this is just taking it to another level of mindfulness and um I have really enjoyed the process, which I know sounds funny. And and there has been freedom within our budget. Whereas before I would have said, oh, like I, I probably before would have felt guilty in almost every purchase, right? I'm trying to buy, be wise as I'm buying groceries or as I go to Costco, whatever the things are. Um, but now there's a bit of freedom because I can say like even in this month coming up where we need to buy Christmas presents and we have a budgeted amount. I'm like, it's in the budget. So instead of feeling like, feeling guilty in each purchase I make for Christmas. I'm going to have to be wise about it. But also there's freedom. I have freedom in those numbers. And so 
I've really enjoyed this process. Um, Brennan, is there more you want to talk about really specifically in terms of the process we're following? Yeah, I think there's some wisdom to why Dave Ramsey, and I think there's others who would follow suit in terms of some of his same principles, but why it's so effective. And he has this intensity around it. And it's funny, we actually were at a big conference like four and a half years ago, and he was amazing to come speak at it. And he gave a copy of his book to like all 5,000 people there because he just really wanted all these full-time ministry people to get their finances healthy and in order. And that book just, you know, burned a hole on our shelf for four plus years. And so it was this summer as I felt a nudge to read it where I just remember this feeling of like, don't read it unless you're going to do what it says seriously. And you know, the kind of stuff it's going to like hold you accountable for. And just realizing I was like, I'm ready because what we both talked about in, in our financial situation, just realizing like we live in a beautiful part of the world. We live in a very expensive real estate part of the world and we have a home. We're so thankful that we are in based on the story you heard earlier of maybe seem like we'd never own anything, but we also realize with a growing family, like they're getting bigger and older. And as they have friends over that, we're just, we're in a place that's a bit more narrow, a pretty small yard. And so would it be possible we could ever own like a detached full-size family home? And so that conversation for us has been the driver of everything. And I realize it in my other goals and habits when I want to change course in something healthy or whatever. Um, is to realize this is my why. And so we even sat down after both reading the book and saying like, what is our why? And Jacqueline came up with these three statements really quickly. And I just realized for both of us, they resonated and we're like, all right, we wrote them down in this little notebook and we're going to say them at the start of every meeting, which is my kind of cheesy meeting style, which Jacqueline accommodates. But I think actually it does strike a chord to say, we're not going to order a book on Amazon. I'm going to go to the library, which has weird hours in COVID. And I've, hadn't been to a library in a decade and okay it's weird in here um to get a book as opposed to being like the book could be here in 24 hours for 20 dollars. it's like well i just saved my family 20 dollars five times this month or three times this month or i just reread a book we had because we have bought a lot of books so um i think just some of those little behaviors to me are i'm inspired by our why and so for our why was to get out of debt to be able to afford a bigger house and to not be in bondage to our finances. And so I think those really clarified our why. And so Dave Ramsey's um, strategy is really simple. He's really good at staying on message and just kind of hammering it over and over with lots of humor and passion. But basically he would say, get a real time budget, like a budget that's real serious, really works, really written down and adjust it every month. Because you know every month has its own little story of so-and-so's birthday or that's the month this starts back up or Christmas is coming or vacation is here or whatever. So say, actually put those in. You know that's going to blow up your budget and won't work on a perfect glossy little standard cookie cutter every month. And so that piece was, uh, okay, that's different. We have a mint budget, but it just kind of sits there and it doesn't really tell us what to do, whereas this is real. And he was a big proponent of if you're married – you got to do it with your spouse, which was awesome that Jacqueline, both, uh, both of us felt passionate to read it, willing to apply it, willing to have a real sit down and look at the numbers and confront the realities in each of our own little tendencies and habits to not be disciplined. And then after that, he basically has like a seven step path. So step one is to save a thousand dollars because his whole philosophy is never, ever, ever, ever use credit again, ever. 
So he has like giant scissors to cut up your credit cards. And he's just like, all debt is bad, period. Yes, he puts an asterisk next to mortgage debt. But even then he's like, even that sucker should go like five times faster than you or I or any of us would tend to. And just to acknowledge that the banking marketing world has done an exceptional job that we've all normalized credit. And we're just, we're, we're just not getting the freedom because we're, we're having all this interest work against us rather than for us. If we were actually not paying all these monthly amounts to service our debt for car payments and lines of credit and credit cards on top of mortgage. And so, um, so he's big into the first step, um, doing the emergency fund of a thousand dollars. And that's basically so that when that thing hits, which will a dental bill and a car payment hit us both this month or not a car payment, a repair bill. And it's like, those are the stuff of life that we know, hot water heater, whatever else. So the thousand dollars may not cover all of them, but it'll cover Hopefully so that when it hits, you don't go back to your credit card or line of credit and think, I'll figure it out in 30 days. You've already got that there. Then after that, you do something called the debt snowball, which I think is probably one of his best um, coaching tips, which is you pay the minimum on all your debts. You line them up from smallest to greatest. And because of the emotional victory that you're going to need to go real hard, you're going to try and just karate chop the first small one right away. So you just free up every extra dollar to pay that sucker as fast as possible. If you make any extra money more than you thought this month, you're going to throw it at that. And so the reason it's a snowball is if you were paying, you know, normally 50 bucks on that and 50 bucks on another one, a hundred, another one, a hundred, another one. So that's like $300. When you go hard, on that first little $50 a month and you wipe out whatever that was, $4,000 or something, now you have more money to go after the next debt. So you're now putting the 50 and 50, you're putting a hundred at it plus anything extra you can scrape. And so for us, that is these lines of credit that we've got. We've got the smallest one that we have our eyes on the prize to snowball it and uh, get rid of it. And so then after the snowball, you do a crazy thing where you, you save up this to me was like, I have a friend telling me they did this. And I, I wanted to look at them like they were from another planet. I was like, I'm sorry, what do you do? They're like, well, we save three to six months of expenses in a savings account ready for, you know, a worldwide pandemic or anything that could cause us to lose our main source of income. I I just remember thinking, you are a superhero and there's four, 4% of you or less in the world who are possibly doing this, but that's a normal Dave Ramsey. Like as soon as that debt snowball is gone, not mortgage, just the rest of it, you save three to six months expenses in a, not in some big sketchy investment, but in a safe, secure savings account so that it's available when you need it to provide for your family. And then after that, you uh, make sure your investing's on track, your mutual funds for retirement, your education funds, and then you go hardcore after that mortgage and you pay that sucker off in like three years or five years. You just throw all that extra money at it. And then the rest is basically building wealth, which can sometimes depends on your mindset. But as I read about it, and I've actually thought of some really amazing examples I've seen related to our ministry who've helped us build camp properties and invest in new communities uh, of reaching more teenagers. I just realized, oh, there's people who have bought into this instead of paying like so many tens of thousands of dollars to debt over their many years, they got out of that and they freed it up on the opposite side. And what they're doing is they're creating legacy by they're generously sowing it into the kingdom of God. They're generously creating uh, opportunities to bless and support ministries and serving uh, people that really need it while also creating a different financial foundation for their family for the future, what they're going to pass down to their children and their children's children. And so that's kind of the, the Ramsey uh, approach. And 
Um, it's been pretty awesome for us to, we, we are not experts, but we got really intense in September, started changing some of our spending habits and October was really exciting for, even with these, uh, surprise couple bills and things that came at us for us to come, I think something like $1,200 ahead, um, which we haven't had a black month, um, other than our tax return month in so long to be able to do that in a busy, like full swing a month, like October was really encouraging. And it, to me, it just makes me want to go harder and find more creative ways to save money. And I want to share a little bit of encouragement. I was chatting with a friend yesterday who was telling me about, um, essentially how she went through this process, even though her husband wasn't on board. And she said it was basically a year where she was very wise, cutting back, spending on things, just taking stock of every little area that her money was going. And she said when it came to their planning their vacation, um, she was able to hand her husband this giant envelope full of money. And at that point, he was on board. He was like, okay, I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. And so I just want to encourage the person who feels like, I want to do this, but my spouse is not on board. Um, just to say it might actually mean you doing it on your own and um, changing some things that you can change, that you can control, and continuing to pray for your spouse to get on board, but that they might actually need to see some evidence after a while. Um, that might be the thing that gets them on board. The other thing I want to say is Brendan talks up, talked about our why, and we just came up with what are the main things, you know, and I think this summer as we began to dream again, being in COVID and not really being able to travel a whole lot. Um, I really, be, I really um, began to have a dream on my heart of having some sort of property on a lake somewhere. And it feels hard to imagine having a property on a lake when um, our own housing market is so expensive and we're in debt and all these things. But I thought, you know what, I'm actually going to let that dream continue to grow and be part of my why and um, even as Brennan was talking about our our desires to get into a bigger home, the area that we live in, um, and again, this is not like a high-end exclusive area. Um, we live outside of Vancouver in Canada, but the average house, if we're going to move into a, a freestanding home, um, the average house is probably 1.3 to 1.6 million in our area. And so it's, it's very expensive and it can actually feel very hopeless. And it reminded me of just that hopeless feeling I had uh, when we were first married, feeling like we have these student loans, this feels impossible. And I just remember my mom saying to me at one point, if you say we'll never get into a house, you probably never will, right? We had to actually change some of our mindset. And so that's part of having these conversations about the why, having the vision of, yeah, the reality is it's going to be hard. We will have some setbacks. We will have some months that doesn't feel like we were able to move forward quite as much. But really the gazelle intense um, focus just comes from the image of a gazelle having to be so intense to get away from the prey that are after them that they have to they have to go forward and really go for it. And, and the gazelle is able to get away. And so that's where we're at right now. It feels similar to us 14 years ago being like, when are we ever going to get in a house? And so we're able to operate right now from a place of feeling quite content with where we're at and very thankful. I think that's part of it as well. We practice being thankful for our vehicles, thankful for our jobs, our home, all of these things. Yet at the same time saying, 
this is our this is our vision. This is our hope. This is our why um, for the future. Um, and then another thing that I have um, been aware of that's helped create being thankful is even this month I found um, that I was out of razors. And I usually buy razors once a year from Costco. And I guess I'd missed that window this summer. And so I had to go buy this set of razors that felt like an expensive purchase when we're on this budget. But I will tell you, I have never shaved my legs and felt so thankful at the same time in my life. I truly felt like this is the best shave I've ever had. I feel so thankful. And so even um, through this process, it's, it's naturally creating a thankfulness for things in really the everyday, um, allowing me to even be more creative with our meal planning and stewarding that part of um, what we have in our lives. So it's it's actually been a great process so far. We may do an update in a few months to say how we're going and how the process has been because I think that is actually helpful um, in any journey that you're going on. Um, so that's a little bit about our money journey, having those hard conversations. And I will say this, the very first conversation we had for the October budget, we got in a fight and um, we had to resolve that. And it was unpleasant. And I thought, oh man, is this what's going to happen every week? We set out to, to set ourselves up for success. We said, let's have a meeting once a week where we bring our receipts and we put every single item we spent that week um, into this budget on the computer and see see what happened. How are we doing? Track our progress. And as the weeks went on after that first initial terrible week of getting in the fight, it actually got better and better to the point where it's like, oh, I'm actually enjoying this. And isn't this great? I'm excited to see at the end of the month, where did we land? Almost like a game where it's like, you know what? If I don't, if I don't buy this thing we don't need, um, then we're going to have that much more money to put down. So it's it's been a hard process, but it's been a really good process. That's all I have to share, Brendan. Is there anything else you'd want to close us with? Yeah, I think it is interesting, like reading a book. So we read Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey, if that's a helpful one. I also uh, read another of his books recently. It's an older print one, but I'm sure they've redone it called Financial Peace or Financial Peace Revisited. But I think what's helpful is reading books like that and hearing him speak is really it's a mindset adjustment and he does a really good job with simple analogies like the gazelle piece of just helping us realize that we kind of sometimes just swim in a current we swim in a current of our culture we swim in a current around money we just normalize things like car payments and debt and credit cards and those things and it really took like a shock to the system to readjust and as you start to do it he talks about it constantly and i had to take him at his word in faith because that's all i could do to say once you start making maneuvers and cutting costs, and he talks a lot about people getting second jobs just to, once they get a taste of getting out of debt, they're just like, I'll do whatever, whatever I need to, like deliver pizza after working my nine to five, um, those kind of extreme examples, but um, where people are just motivated and they find ways to save money they didn't think was possible because you realize as you start to shift your values, your values can shift even more in terms of what is a necessity, what is a thing I need to is a pick me up this week and each of us probably have our things. Like for me, we have a, a restaurant train chain nearby that has very good onion rings. And I sometimes need to feel like I need to eat them emotionally in certain lulls in a week or month and just feel like I'm not doing that, even though it's a really small value on those. But those end up really adding up or the book example. Or even I have a clothing subscription that I think is really economical. It's really helped 
you know, revamp my wardrobe. It's a great price. And they released with their item for uh, November. And I looked at it and I helped Jacqueline help me pick which one I was going to get because you can pick your thing. And I realized I've already had four of those that they've sent me in the last like 16 months. And if we skip it, that's like $84 or whatever that we could put towards our um, debts. And so I think for me, I'm just like, oh, that's, I guess what he's talking about is that as you start to do this, you just unlock this emotional energy and this intensity to go after it, where it really helps reorient it. And I think one of the things he said a couple of times, and I feel like maybe you can relate to this. I don't know what your income level is, where you are, but whatever it is, I think the challenge we live in, like, even though people say like, you're in North America, you're in the top, whatever, 3% in the world. You're like, yeah, well, I think you mean my neighbor, not me. Um, cause we look at the people with the fancy cars and bigger houses, but to realize this statement, which is, and he says this a lot is your income is your greatest wealth generator. Whereas I think a lot of times we feel like I need to get a new business. I need to invest in a winning stock. I need to buy a lottery ticket. I need to, you know, fill in the blank to really get out of this scenario. But actually the money we've already been provided through our income is our best tool. We probably just undervalued it by not actually noticing what we're spending. And so I think when you realize your income is already in some cases you need to get a different job depending on your financial goals. But in some cases like, Oh, it's, it's just, you actually need to reorient how you live to what, um, your income is to then create it, to actually maximize it towards the goals you have. And I was reading recently that Dave Ramsey does this thing on his show where I guess people, when they get out of debt, they do the, the debt free scream where they come on and they're able to just be like, I paid off $50,000. And then they just like, and I've never heard the scream, but there's something about like understanding why that'd be a, such an emotionally empowering, um, release of accomplishing a big goal that meant so much. And that's, that's helped me. Like I'm motivated by the goal, but I'm of the house, but I'm also motivated by the reality of it. Like we could get out of this debt. And I sometimes daydream about what would it be like to get out of it. And then that gives me this different intensity to go after the little decisions that actually do add up. And I think for a long time, I just said, what's the point? Or we have so many expenses this month. What's another $50, $200. I mean, we even, it's not a big thing, but we even just canceled Netflix. We realized how many streaming services does the average family need? And those things are like, that's only $16, but those things do add up. So, um, yeah, I'm encouraged for us to update in the future, but I have a hopefulness around our finances that I didn't even think was possible maybe 45 days ago. Absolutely. I think for me, it was this moment where I was like, I, I host a podcast called Ready to Thrive, and I feel like I'm thriving in every area of my life except this. And so now I do feel like we have a good plan. We have information. We're on board. We're having these hard conversations, and I am excited to be able to thrive in this area. And and the same thing, I feel like I think subtly bondage in any area of our lives, um, we begin to feel like this is just how it it's going to be. And there, it, there isn't really anything else we can do about it. This is just how it is. And I too have that hope that no, there is freedom on the other side. We walk in such freedom in every area of our lives, except for this one. And so we're on the path to freedom. I'm really excited about it. And I'm excited to continue sharing our story on here. And I know uh, we're wrapping up having 
four weeks of having hard conversations with you. I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Um, I would encourage anybody, if you feel like you have really enjoyed these conversations, just to send me a message. Let me know if there are more hard conversations you'd like me to have with Brendan. There's many other topics we'd love to cover in the future. And uh, just continue encouraging you on your journey um, as we continue to walk along ours. So thank you, Brendan, for being on here with us and talking all things money and everything else this month. Happy to be on. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.